Greetings, my friends, and peace be with you. There once was a vintner who had a beautiful vineyard which produced luscious, juicy grapes. To get those luscious, juicy grapes, the vintner had spent years working on the roots of the vines, feeding them, tending to the soil, and pruning the vines every winter. It was a lot of hard and laborious work, but the effort of tending to the roots produced a fine wine. To help him with his hard and laborious work, the vintner employed the children of the family. Everyone loved the family gatherings in which the full-bodied wine was served. However, everyone did not enjoy the laborious work. As time went on, the vintner went the way of the earth and left his beautiful vineyard to his children. After the fall harvest, a few of the children returned to the vineyard, tending to the roots, feeding the soil and pruning the vines. The next year's wine was almost as full-bodied as their father's, the difference hardly noticeable to the untrained palate. As the years went on, however, fewer of the children returned to the fields after the harvest to tend to the roots. Year after year, the harvest declined. And then finally, during one fall harvest, the children went to the field in September to harvest to find the crop had disappeared and was no longer viable. The illustration is told to highlight the words spoken by Pope Benedict to the ambassadors of the United Nations in 2008 concerning social justice and racism throughout the world. If you try to get the fruit without tending to the roots, all you get is social collapse into shrill special interest rhetoric. Almost like a forecasting prophet, Pope Benedict foresaw exactly what has happened and is happening now in our country and throughout most of the Western world. We have ceased tending to the roots. And the roots of which I speak of are the roots of our Judeo-Christian heritage. The roots of following the providential guidance from God above, as well as following the golden rule of life, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Instead of the motto, E Pluribus Unum, we hear the shrill voices of special interest groups clamoring to be heard over one another. Now hear me out here. It's not that special interest groups should not be heard. For each individual is to be valued valued for who they are. However, when special interest groups no longer are grown from the roots of tended soil, from the providential hand of the one above, and we forget how and why to love one another as we love ourselves, we just become a clanging gong and a loud cymbal. Friends, to those of us who have been baptized into and then clothed with Christ, follow me. And follow me and let us return to tending to our roots. The roots found in the Gospels of Jesus and the letters of Paul to the early Christian church. For it was from a small band of frightened, provincial, and undereducated disciples made up of women and men who were followers of Jesus who changed the entire world system through living lives of new creation, growing in the Spirit of God above and by loving their neighbors as they love themselves. 
If we are honest with ourselves, we too are a small band of mostly frightened and provincial, yet not so undereducated people, who desire to live in a world of new creation, one for us through the death and bodily resurrection of Jesus from the grave. With that in mind, then, we turn to our second reading this morning from Paul's letter to the churches in Galatia. Paul's letters are really bulletins from the front lines, as it were. The Apostle Paul didn't have the luxury of writing his letters from a comfortable desk, banging out his thoughts and words on a computer, and then sending them off through email. No, Paul's letters were written on the go, written during his travels as a missionary, writing back to the churches he and his companions had either just previously visited visited or responding to a letter received from that specific congregation. Sometimes his letters were written while in prison, under great duress, feeling as if his work had been for nothing and with despair for his own life, written from one's point of view who had listened to the voice from God above and written from one who had loved his neighbor as he had loved himself. Paul was the author of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the great love chapter of not only the New Testament, but of all literature ever written. And believe it or not, Paul's letters of encouragement, love, discipline, and great doctrinal truths were written into one of the harshest, if not the harshest world of cruelty, slavery, bigotry, and racism the world has ever seen. Yes, a world even harsher than the world you and I live in today. It was a world in which the slaves of the Caesar would walk through the streets of Rome, as well as down the Roman roads and into the villages of the empire, with billboards declaring how many Gauls the legions had killed in order for the empire to thrive or placards announcing how many slaves had been taken so that the lives of the citizens of Rome, as well as the entire empire, would be further cared for. It was an economy founded on slave labor. It was also a world where wealthy Roman men held great power over their sexual partners and led promiscuous lives of having sex with whoever and however they desired, with no rights or justice available to the abused. It was a world in which an unwanted child was simply left outside for the dogs to eat or to be taken into slavery slavery by a ruthless taskmaster. It truly was a world in which might made right, and if you were on the wrong side of the might, Life was ruthless, miserable, and hardly worth living. And then, in the fullness of time, Jesus was born into this world, and through his teachings, and then through his death and bodily resurrection, his ascension into heaven, and the life-giving Spirit breathed into his followers, the world began to change. Individual lives began to change as people began to live in this new creation, this new age. Light came into darkness. 
Women and men found new and abundant life in Jesus, the Messiah. The early church itself was made up of slaves, women, Gentiles from all walks of life, and devout believing Jews who had recognized that God's Messiah had been crucified and had been raised from the dead. It wasn't the way they thought God would act, but it was indeed the way God intended to save the world. It was to one of these young churches, to the gathering of believers in Galatia, that the Apostle Paul wrote, written while on the go, during his second missionary journey, Paul writes to a young church of believers who were wrestling with the question of what it meant that God's Messiah was crucified and raised from the dead. Paul's answer to that question back to the Galatian church was that for those who believe, for those who's, who were baptized into Christ, to those who had clothed themselves with Christ, meaning to have taken off their old cloaks and now to have put on Christ, to have left the old ways of the world to live in the new ways of new creation as God had originally intended his people to live in, that now in this world of new creation, there was no longer Jew or Greek. There was no longer slave or free. There was no longer male or female but that all were one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, you then belong to the family of God, the family and offspring according to the promise of Abraham. Now, what did all that mean? What did it mean that there was no longer Jew or Greek or slave or free, male or female? Basically, what it meant was that however you either identified yourself as or were identified by the world as, those identifiers now took a back seat. Yes, they took a back seat to being identified as a child of the living God. And as a child of the living God, you were now identified as being a member of the family of God. And as a member of the family of God, there were responsibilities as heirs to be taken on. Primarily to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And it didn't matter what your identifiers were in your old way of life to those who were also clothed in Christ Jesus. One and each were the same. All were children of God of equal value and love. All were to tend to the roots of that family of love. Today in our world of social media, individual rights, and political partisanship, personal identifiers dominate the culture. Facebook or Twitter accounts proudly and boldly announce to the world that I'm either single or attached, gay or straight or both, male or female or neither and or both, blue or red, black or white, a patriot or a progressive, a mom or a dad, a son or a daughter, or whoever I want the world to know who I am. My friends, if you or I have been baptized into the faith and clothed in the garments of the living Christ, we have only one identifier, and that is the cross of Christ. We are called to be servants of the living God, called to serve others 
and not to be served, called not to use my gifts and skills and desires and individual nuances to be placed or held above and over one another, but to use those God-given gifts, skills, desires, and individual nuances to lift others up, to build others up before the self. We have been given these individual gifts, skills, desires, and nuances to be a member of the family of God. In short, our lives are not our own. Our lives are no longer governed by ourselves. Our lives are to be lived, however, in service of others, loving one another, giving to one another. Starting this past Lent this spring into Holy Week and on to Easter Sunday and then through the Easter season, we here at St. Bartholomew's in Palmer, Alaska, have been gaining an understanding of what it means that God's Messiah was crucified, died and buried, then bodily raised from the grave on the third day into God's new creation, that Jesus was the first fruit of this new creation, and to those who follow in his ways, this life of new creation is now the way in which we are to live. Specifically, what we here at St. Bart's have been learning then is I am now a part of this new creation, that I actually live in new creation. And through Jesus' death on the cross, my sin has been dealt with. And I am no longer held in bondage to that sin and am free to live in this new life of new creation, this new way of living, this new way of loving. And that the gifts, skills, desires, and individual nuances of my being are God's gifts for me to strengthen the family of God first. And so, my friends, follow me then into the field and tend to our roots. The roots of loving God with all our hearts, souls, minds, and strength. And to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Amen. Amen.